0: All right, let's do it. Okay. Like right now?
1: Whenever you're ready. (laughs) And action.
0: Hello, and welcome to the You Show Show. It's the show where you show things. And I am your host, Calvin Laser. I'm going to die. And today I am joined by my best buddy, Isabel Spots.
1: Hello, I am your best buddy, Isabel Spots. (laughs) that was perfect um yes hello Am. Um, today Hi. we are here <laughs> with uh the real isabel spots isabel hello and welcome back to the studio it's good to have you back Thank you. A uh, couple of things I, I I done fucked up last time. I fucked up your last name like mm-hmm. a re, like a real friend. Um, yeah, that's okay. Uh, it's
0: a little confusing.
1: It is a little confusing, but that's yep. a okay. But today I'm joined by Isabel Spots, my best. What did you say? Best good friend. My best. Best my good best, friend. Best, best buddy.
0: All the all the words.
1: All the words. All the yep. buddy. uh It's all here. All the time. Buddy feels. Um, I also forgot to mention last time that, yes, uh, you also run a podcast as well, and I wanted to promote it last time, so I'm going to make a point of doing it this time. Oh, nice. Uh, And it is called Night Faces. Yeah. Uh, Do you have like a... Elevator pitch on noise, oh Night Faces. <laughs> I almost
0: said noise faces. Night <laughs> Faces, yeah. elevator. faces. The elevator pitch is the worst because I I guess maybe as the writer of Night Faces, I don't have that. I'm like, here, let me explain episode by episode to you now. now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really bad at that. Uh But, okay, so um it's an audio drama. I actually always feel weird even calling it a podcast because, like, okay, so, like, your show to me, that's a podcast, right? It's like a show, kind of. So, no, it's like an audio drama, um, kind of like murder mystery, ghost story um, about a young woman, a dancer uh, who's murdered. And it's kind of the um, mystery of what happened to her and kind of the investigation into um, what happened to her ultimately to um, release her soul to the afterworld. It's very, has kind of like dark religious undertones and, you know. All that fun stuff.
1: All that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I know it's available on uh, Apple Podcasts. Is it available kind of anywhere else?
0: It's on everything. Literally everything.
1: It's on the everything. So, yeah. Not like,
0: I guess like not like YouTube or anything, but it's like on all the podcast channels. It's on, it's on a bunch of stuff. Um, and we're actually working on our next podcast already. Well, our next audio drama. and We're really excited about it. So, yeah. yeah
1: do, you have, do you have the name? Can you share the name?
0: Yeah, I can. It's called um, Desert Gods. Ooh. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say.
1: All right. Deal. Mystery. Mysteries abound. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is yeah. Night Faces available on all the things. And uh, go check it out. It's really good. Yeah, you you and your husband, Ben, um, you guys do both a really good job. He does more of the audio, you do the reading and the writing, and it's awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah, Ben's music is amazing. That's like the part that like, I'll be like, you know, write some part or whatever, and he'll put music behind it. And I'm like, here it is now. Now it's not just my voice. Now it's this kind of like beautiful scene taking place. Thank God. (laughs) Not just me talking.
1: Not just two assholes sitting in a room talking. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we should get Ben some music behind us, for sure.
1: Yeah, maybe one day. But yeah, actually, it's funny because Ben actually did the music for this podcast. So oh, look yep, at that. Yes,
0: he did. Yep.
1: We get his sexy voice going like, you yep. show, show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good shit. So anyway, um, well, today, in the theme of Halloween, <laughs> on November 8th, Um Uh, We're going to be talking about more spooky movies. Um, And today's spooky. Oh, okay.
0: okay. Continue. You go, go, go before I interrupt you.
1: My spooky movie that I like is uh, really only because I'm a slut for Stanley Kubrick. And today we're going to be talking about The Shining.
0: Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be? Oh, I was going to say, right, so you you're like, oh, the Halloween thing. So The Shining is actually a classic winter movie for me. I watch it every winter. Okay. Winter?
1: Winter? Um, I do declare, <laughs> Governor. You do watch it every
0: winter. I love it on a good winter's eve. Oh, the glass um, <laughs> of bourbon and swine with a good bit of maid, but anyway so um like let's not keep doing that uh but yeah so i i watch it every winter so it's to me it's actually not um uh you know a halloween movie so i think we can get away with this as a, like a november film is my point okay the november, my point. Sp- the november spookies yeah yeah okay because i remember i have the lists for winter uh, and you? summer and fall not spring because i guess that's only midsummer which wow <laughs> but you know
1: We'll get into that later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. The Shining. Let's do yeah. a recap. Do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to kick oh, it? off?
0: Oh hell no! Am I gonna? I am not gonna recap The Shining, a two and a half hour long movie. This is you. This okay. is all you. <laughs> uh,
1: so The Shining was yeah. <laughs> uh, a Stephen King book, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna start out everything right here, right here, right now. Um, that I don't like Stephen King. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start this whole conversation by saying oh, that I do not like him. Oh, this is
0: painful between friends. This is painful. Wow.
1: Uh, we can maybe get to that in a bit, but I think yeah. he, I I do I'm not a big fan of him. His not spooky stuff I actually do like, but his spooky okay. stuff I can't really. So find. are
0: you not a huge fan on him of him in the way of like you haven't liked liked his like the his film adaptations? Like, do you read his books?
1: Both. I've read some of it. I've tried to read some of his books. I've tried to read the Gunslinger, and I'm sorry, I can't get into it. It's this like self masturbatory prophetic writing that he thinks (laughs) he's more elegant than he actually is, and the man takes ten times longer to explain a scene. See, I'm a person. See, I
0: love that. I hate it. I'm like I grew up on Stephen King. Like that is yeah, but that's okay. I mean,
1: see, I'm like because like I do like editing for my job, and so I'm like I'm like if you don't need it fucking get rid of it and he's the complete opposite like he right, wrote but... a he wrote a like one of the last things i tried reading was like a short story about it was like a serial killer i think it's like a wife is a serial killer of the husband mm-hmm. yeah it's a husband and then the wife slowly discovers that he's a serial killer by like finding all these like clues in a garage i couldn't even finish it because it was like, he was like explaining the color of the fucking ipad in the room and and the iPad had fucking nothing to do with the story. So it's oh, like Oh, see, why... I think so.
0: That's the stuff though. Uh. That's the stuff, right? I mean, but but I mean it, it definitely depends on who you are. Um I think yeah. he has
1: really good concepts. I think he has really good concepts. He's like he's good at like like the, the what's the what's the dream catcher word? Like he like he'll like you can tell. Oh my god,
0: I was actually gonna tell a story about Dreamcatcher. In with our Morgan, conversation. So with, it's hilarious. Morgan
1: Fre- with Morgan Freeman's eyebrows in the movie. But anyway. Fuck um,
0: anyway. around, Drew Patcher's good, man. It's
1: good. Well, yeah, like, he's really good at, like, he's really good at, like, um, coming up with an idea. Like, what if. Original.
0: The- he creates a lot of original. Yeah. Um. You know horror actually he does it's like that's his thing
1: what if the what if the next bout of diarrhea that you have is an alien living is actually an
0: alien that's gonna eat your face off yeah
1: exactly what if there's a spooky clown that comes from outer space living in a sewer
0: it's like everything that you've ever decided i'm not gonna think about this he's like i'm gonna think about this for sure
1: so his concepts are like 10 out of 10 but then i think his writing style along mixed with this mixture of character development his characters are just like and so i don't know i can't get into it i tried watching the outsiders on hbo i couldn't even finish it i i couldn't couldn't finish it
0: i actually loved it we're so different in this way they'd be up up to like honestly like it was like the final episode that i was like "Ugh, this fell flat but i mean that happens with a lot of stuff but i actually loved it the outsiders but
1: at the point i gave up i don't even know what episode it is there's a part where like Two adult men randomly start talking about vampires, and I was like, I'm fucking done. Like, this is not how people talk. I just quit. So um Maybe it's not how you people talk. Maybe that's not how you, what do you mean, you people anyway. Um <laughs> anyway, so this is a Stephen King book, but then what's kind of cool is that so Stanley Kubrick bought the rights, like, and 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 Stephen King actually sent him a script for the film, uh, and he basically gave st- Stephen King, the middle finger, and was like, nah, I'll handle it from here. So Stephen King had, like, nothing to do with this. And I think that really... Quick, I mean, I think, as
0: he does with most of his movies, right? Doesn't he kind of, like, release?
1: Well, most of his, most of his films um, are, are, like, of his own creation. And, and so he, he, he was a director that, like, wanted to do... Like, Christopher Nolan and some other directors have taken this approach of doing kind of, like, one of each type of film... Mm-hmm. Um, war epics, horror, uh, a war film, a comedy list goes on A science yeah. fiction. And so when it came to the horror film, I think that he saw the potential cause, you know, Kubrick read all the time. So I'm sure he had read, you know, uh, Stephen King's work up to that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like, and I could be wrong, I really don't know the history behind why he picked this, but I feel like he knew that the Stephen King name might draw in a different crowd than maybe the normal Kubrick crowd up to that point. And that's kind of the only thing that I can kind of think of is that there is an association. and Because, I mean, Stephen King, love him or hate him, is a hyper-successful writer. Hell yeah. Um, but, yeah, in terms of like the actual creation of this film, he, he doesn't have a lot. And um, there's even, we'll get into it later, there's a theory about uh, Stanley Kubrick Kind of insinuating that like He's going to kill Stephen King Based off of a fan theory But that's later on So anyway um, Yeah I
0: do think this is the film That has generated many a theory That is kind of Yeah that's the deal with this movie
1: Oh for sure We'll get into that and See that's that's why this is like One of my favorite films But um, But So then I guess the The short of it all Is a quick little fun recap uh, We have the Torrance <laughs> family <laughs> We've got Jack. I always thought it was funny that Jack is played by Jack Nicholson and then Danny is played by Danny Lloyd and then Wendy is played by Shelley Duvall. I always think that's kind of funny because, like, the film is very much designed to push uh, Wendy, Shelley Duvall's character, on the outside. And I don't know if, like, that's, like, one more little thing that they did to, like, make her feel different. Yeah, because, like, if you're on set... And, like, they're talking about Jack and Danny, but then they're talking about Wendy. I She's feel, the one
0: that, like, doesn't have, yeah, her name, you know, it's, like,
1: again, very I,
0: unattached.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if that was intentional or not. I have no idea, but that's something that I always like. So, anyway, the Torrance family, um, Jack gets assigned the, uh, oh, my God, the... Overlook, which, the Overlook. Yep, yeah, at the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. And he becomes the, like, the groundskeeper to basically manage and just make sure that any repairs or maintenance or anything like that that needs the hotel should need during the winter season he's there to take care of it um so he moves uh his family up to this hotel up in the middle of the mountains in the middle of colorado in the middle of the winter season and that's where they live for x amount of time until slowly the insanity sets in uh Mm -hmm. there's some spookies happening in room (laughs) 237 Danny's getting attacked, the little boy. Um, What else? And then I'm going to probably just say Shelley Duvall, but Wendy is uh, concerned. She wants to go back to town. Jack is like, are you fucking kidding me? I have an obligation to my employer. This is my obligation. This is my job. Are you trying to fucking ruin it? He's also trying to write. That's a big thing. He's trying to work on a book because he's a, I think he's a, he's a high school teacher. He's a teacher. Yep and um and so he's kind of mad at her and then the tensions rise and then um we also figure out that danny's got a thing called the shining where you can kind of telepathically talk to other people that also have the gift called the shining danny starts to see some some spookies and then um jack effectively snaps and is trying to murder his entire family in this hotel
0: which has happened once before.
1: We good point. Thank you. Yep. yep. There was a family that was there uh like in like they I think they insinuate like the mid 70s or something yep. like that. Yep. And not you know, which is not too far from when the film came out in the 1980s to insinuate that it happened recently. Um Jack is chasing down Wendy and Danny. It, it revolves with Danny going into the maze, which is another key theme of this film, is the maze that is mm-hmm. next to the hotel where he basically outsmarts Jack uh, by covering up his footprints. And then Danny is able to escape the maze. He meets Becca with his mother, Wendy, who goes through the the goofy spookies of the house where she sees skeletons and a man in a <laughs> teddy bear costume. <laughs> And and then they get in the the cat the the bobcat the sled I don't even know what the fuck you call yeah, it yeah like
0: like the snow cat the, the snow sn- cat snow dog who knows
1: uh, and then they put that shit in first gear and they just drive off into the nighttime and assumedly make it back home safe I think that's about it
0: that's it that's that's yeah that's a very good um, synopsis
1: Holy crap Okay I feel lightheaded but um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but yeah So let me start out with a question for you really quick. Sure. Have you ever seen the documentary Room 237? No, nope. Okay. It's a um it is it is exactly 50% interesting and 50% the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um
0: Okay, is this the one that like recently came out or no?
1: Recently being, like, within the last 10 years, yes.
0: As I said, that's probably my recent. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as recent, or yeah, it's not as old as the film itself. I think it came out in, like, 2009, I want to say, give or take. Okay. Um, it's worth the watch, but it's not worth spending money on, if that makes sense. Um,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: I watched it on Netflix, and it's a documentary where they do not show any of the faces of the people that they're interviewing. And it's a collection of fan theories on the movie. But what's really bizarre about it is that, like, they don't edit any of the audio that was sent to them. So, like, in the middle of this documentary, like, there's one guy who's, like, getting, like, super nerdy. He's getting super hardcore (laughs) into his fan theory. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. My child is screaming. (laughs) <laughs> and you can hear him like, Bobby, Bobby,
0: stop! And it's like, surprised really... his name wasn't Danny.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was like, really, you couldn't, you couldn't cut this out of your documentary. Like, this had to stay in.
0: Yeah, like, come on. And then
1: there's some theories that are really interesting, and then there's some theories that are just like fucking wackadoo. Now it's been a minute since I've seen it, but like one lady was talking about how like Danny uh, was talking about like the little voice inside of his head. Tony. It's Tony? <laughs> yeah, it's Tony. Tony is the little voice that lives inside Jeez, of Danny's I thought head. it was like
0: Davey. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was something close. It, it can <laughs> be. Um, so, like, one lady was talking about how, like, her child basically started saying things that Danny said in the movie, but uh-huh. it's not, like, a fan theory. She's literally explaining how her child also does things that Danny, the character, does. And that's it, and it's like <laughs> that's not a fan theory, that's just you talking about your child, so it's yeah it's really... like your
0: kid's got something going on exactly friend. and it
1: like it, and it was like and it's like you're listening to it being like, uh-huh, okay, like yeah, does this, tie Where's into, this yeah, does this tie into your fan theory, and it doesn't, and it's so it's really bizarre, <laughs> but um, but there are some interesting things like they talk about like one thing that this film gets a lot is uh the idea. And the metaphors that play into the disasters that happened to Native Americans, you know, of America once basically us folk came in and we were like, hey, this is ours and uh-huh. like the atrocities that came with it. Um, Room 237 goes into like some other th- like examples of you do obviously see a lot of like Native American imagery. You know, in the yeah. hotel they even talk about that it was like on the burial grounds of yep. a Native American uh battle that happened a long time ago and the bodies were there and then like these Native Americans even tried to come back and like kind of claim the land again and it was fought and there was more death and destruction. There's a lot of like um in the food pantry there's a lot of like i think there's like tobacco in there that has like a native american chief as like a like a mascot on the side of like some of the food containers yeah um, there's other theories there was like one lady who had a theory that like the maize can kind of be representative of like the minotaur and that Jack does kind of have some like bull-like resemblance, kind of insinuating like I don't I'm not I don't I don't know a ton about like the old Greek mythology of like the Minotaur the yeah. maze, but it's kind of in there. So anyway, this is an, a very long way to go about <laughs> asking you what are like what is like what does the film mean to you, and what are like some things that you think about and some of its meanings in this film.
0: Well, you know, this kind of it's interesting because I grew up watching it like probably mostly because my mom was a big fan of Stephen King. So she, so we definitely, um, watched it many times. And I remember as a kid, it scared me a lot. And then as an adult, um, watching it, I was like, this is, this does nothing for me for a while. Right. You know, um, until I kind of got, um, more into it, but, um, this time when I rewatched it, this was probably the first time that I'd seen it again since having, you know, kids and a family and that sort of thing. And I think that that definitely changed, um, changed it from just it, it changed it into more of a horror film for me, honestly, because the it's so unsettling the the family dynamic. Like I I think I'd said to you before, just me and you, I was like, wow, just rewatching this again, I am so much more disturbed by Jack, like so much more disturbed by him, um, as like a husband and a father than when I'd ever seen it before. And just kind of the, I think it's the family dynamic that really, I pay the most attention to watching it now. I know that there are probably a million different things you could pay more attention to in it, but, um, Danny being really afraid of his father is, such a theme wendy being very afraid so she's she's the one that i probably pay the most attention to she's just so submissive and so passive and um it's just watching her fall apart but you know at the same time like that's actually always who she's been like she's a character who really i think in a really interesting way, like so many times with female characters, they want to take maybe a more submissive or passive character and have her change throughout the film to maybe become some like super badass or something, you know, right? That never happens with her. I mean, she is always just as scared and fearful and submissive as always. Yet, she still does everything she needs to do. You know what I mean? Like she still does what she needs to do to stay alive. And I think that's kind of like a really um something I watched a lot more. Um, where I, I think in the past when I watched her, I was like, this girl is annoying. <laughs> 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 so, like I can't. And now just like watching her as like um just this like it's just so sad. She's just like such a fearful wife and such a fearful mother. Um, so that was something that was just something I paid attention to a lot. Um Also, I would say, like, um, the ask, you know, the Shining. You know, it's called the Shining, right? Uh, And that's actually the only portion of the movie that seems to be a very Stephen King aspect to me, is that is that little piece of it, and it actually seems like such a small, um, it it seems mostly insignificant, even like I think like the story of, like jack kind of like coming into madness and all of that and it seems to be a much bigger um thing than than this the shining or the, the the scary scenes i feel like almost like the scenes that like danny sees i mean they're kind of the horrific part they're kind of like showing this stuff but it just doesn't um it doesn't feel like what the movie is about to me
1: yeah and it's i always think it's funny too like yeah, like The Shining, which is where the the name of the film and the book gets its title from, is almost this aspect that isn't delved into almost hardly at all in the film, yeah, which is kind of I agree. funny. And I, so I agree wholeheartedly on like the family aspect of the horror of this film. And that's yeah. my favorite thing. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But in terms of like The Shining on that same note, I think it's kind of funny that I kind of feel like Danny has a gift and that I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but it's like, I feel when I watch this movie that Danny is doing these things to his father, Jack, this vivid imagination is coming from Danny because he's afraid of his father and knows what his father has become Mm -hmm. that like... He's doing all of this to create effectively like a domino effect to make his father become, you know, insane and murderous so that he will die and that he can then go have a peaceful life with his mother. Because I feel like deep down inside, that's who Jack is. So I feel like The Shining is Danny fucking with his dad. So it's like, is that the horror of the film? Is all these things that Danny has set up inside of the film? Or are they things that are happening to him they never really get the answer but I do think it's interesting
0: yeah that is kind of interesting because I guess like the way I watch it is definitely seeing this um you know child afraid of his father who's experiencing these things because of his father but that's like an interesting way to look at it that he is ultimately kind of crafting his own survival um because, it, it, I mean, he kind of know. I mean, even like that scene that they have. That, and this is like another thing I just paid so much more attention to. When Wendy is describing in her very like <sighs> way of um, when Jack hurts Danny. And, it, and it's an accident or whatever. And she's describing it in the beginning. And as she's describing it, you're just kind of like, girl, what the hell is wrong with you? Like you are in a situation. Like this is like this isn't normal. This isn't a, this is a bad situation. This is not like a good father, or whatever she, and she's like, oh, it was an accident, whatever. Um, but you know, you kind of like see that, you know, if, even if they had not gone to the overlook or even whatever, that probably would be the trajectory of Danny's life would be his father hurting him and his mother. And then maybe eventually killing them. I mean, that's kind of how that stuff goes. So, so it's like,
1: yeah, something even more exactly. Yeah. and I always feel too like, I don't know. I, and there's like, I, this is all feelings for right now, but I always feel yeah. too like Jack is, a, we realize he's a high school teacher, but has interest of writing. And I feel like there's kind of the, an inflamed ego that has then been torn down by perhaps getting married and having a child. 100%.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I've always felt like then too, in that same idea that Danny's life would have been, been one of ridicule had his father been a part of it because if danny succeeded in any capacity jack would have torn him down for it yeah and so then this hotel situation is almost then like a happy circumstance that danny now has the ability to cover up effectively a murder of his father um and and kubrick was a smart man i love kubrick i think that uh he was wise beyond his years, and I think that we'll never have a director like him ever again i I love kubrick mm-hmm. and um I know that Kubrick would have known that the study of film is very similar to that of the study of psychology they 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 do go a lot hand in hand and if you you know anyone that studied with psychology would know like whether you believe it or not it doesn't matter, but you know like Freud spoke of a lot of things of like young boys wanting to kill their father so that they can have the mothers for themselves. Now it oh, was yeah. yep. in a more sexual tone, but I don't think that's where the film is trying to go nor imply. But the insinuation of that is there. He gets his mom at the end of the movie and they get to go live their lives without this abusive father. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's like, ugh, it's so it's so good, it's so interesting. And um, and then you were talking about like the submissiveness too. So I guess one... that I like here's my little nickel my little ten cent theory in the film.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, The film literally starts uh, with a yellow car driving up the road to the Overlook Hotel Mm -hmm. and we get the opening credits. We don't see inside the yellow car at any given point and then we we see the hotel and then we we cross dissolve into the hotel and we say Jack Nicholson Jack enter the hotel. And I've always felt like we as the audience right there are seeing Jack being taken by this hotel. Like as soon as he's Mm -hmm. walked into it, he's already been taken. Um, And I guess, and you and I have talked about this before, but then that kind of coincides with the end of the film where the camera pushes in on the portrait of photos on the wall and we see a photo of Jack Nicholson from 1921. So I feel like the camera of the movie is a filter, is a lens, and we are seeing the spirit of this person already inside the character Jack. So like mm-hmm. the physical exterior of Jack's character could look like me or it could look like Robert Redford or Bill Murray, I don't yeah. know. But what we <laughs> How that seeing... would have
0: changed the film. Yeah,
1: that that's actually what should have been the bad guy it was Bill Murray, but um uh but that's how I see it. As soon as we walk into the hotel, he's already been possessed. He's already taken by the horrific horrors, you know, of this hotel. The the, the spooky, the elements um, that are the going to...
0: The kind of possession type it, thing. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That's going to take him later on. And in watching it then too, as soon as he meets with um, the guy who's going to be his employer, I forget his name, I'm sorry, yeah. but yeah. Um, the boss or whatever that he meets with briefly... You know there's things like he's asking Jack questions like, "You know, "Is your family okay with it?" and Jack says things like "Oh yeah they're they're gonna love it, they're gonna be fine they're gonna he's answering for them uh-huh. without even asking them, and that is a very like toxic and abusive trait that you know men have a lot in relationships. It's like the the build up of anticipation will then allow for whatever behavior that they're going to conduct because they know it's, quote-unquote, the good thing. You know, he thinks it's mm-hmm. like this holiday retreat, so therefore he'll answer for his family. And that's, that's very abusive. That's, that's you know, that's, that's, that's toxicity. That's not good.
0: Well, obviously, I mean, some people can be put off by the idea of staying alone at a place where something like that actually happened. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Oman, that's not going to happen with me. And uh, as far as my wife is concerned, uh, I'm sure she'll be absolutely fascinated when I tell her about it. She's a uh, confirmed ghost story and horror film addict. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, another thing about that is like, you know, when you talk about him being this, you know, he's like a school teacher who is like this aspiring writer. Um, and he's bringing this family to his family, to a hotel that he is the overlook that he is looking over that is like his, um, that's his charge. I mean, I I don't know that that's not a great job. Like, you know what I mean? Like that within itself, it's like this, there's already this feeling of like disguised failure. Like, you know, Wendy already has to be so pumped and happy and excited for him. She's like so supportive of what he's, doing, when really it's not this, um, you know, he's, he's disguising it with like, well, I'm, I'm going to be here to write a book, but no, you really, you're here to like, look after a boiler. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's already kind of has you, it already has this sense of responsibility for him, but also failure. Like he's like, you, you kind of get that feeling already. And that's kind of, um, you know, he kind of treats, Wendy and Danny that whole that way the entire way through I think like in some films like you'll watch somebody go from being like um a great dad and then they like slowly start to deteriorate and it's like no he he starts off as a character that you're you're kind of willing to see them fall apart like you're like you don't, you're already a little unlikable you know that's kind of um his thing and then you kind of like watch him go into madness but he you know, he embodies that, like what he's going to become. He already is it a little. I think maybe that is what you say even about the the moment he steps foot into the hotel. You know what I mean? Like he's already that Yeah, he's
1: already this person that like we know is going to have like a timely demise. So Yep. Oh shit, I lost my train of thought. And then it was like it's funny too then like on like the possession idea as well is like you know, one of the one of the most iconic scenes, one of the most famous scenes is when we finally see what he's been writing on the typewriter, which is the oh, yeah. all work and the yeah. play. And, you know, it's a stack. So that means he's been working on it for some time, which would then again insinuate that again, like this this thing, whatever it should be, was right there from the start. And um and I don't know. I just think it's really interesting because, it, you know, this is a film similar to The Exorcist where, like, again, every time you watch it, you can pick up something new. And that, yep. those are my kind of movies where every single time you can watch it. Like, one of my favorite things in the movie, um, and I pointed it out to Nat every time we watch this movie, and she's like, yeah, I know. Shut up, asshole. I know. <laughs> um,
0: That's just watching movies.
1: Yeah, and I apologize. And um, <laughs> uh, there's the scene where, like, Danny and um, Wendy are watching TV Uh, in kind of the main room, the great hall, um, Mm -hmm. outside the big windows. And, um, uh, if you pay attention to the TV, there's nothing plugged into it. There's no power cable and there's no cable. And it's just like little things like that, that maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't, but it's there for your subconscious to at least notice to help then build this dread that something's wrong because it's something that we don't look for. You know, our eyes are focused on the TV screen, but like you will in some way, shape or form notice that those things aren't there.
0: Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that somewhere else too? I, I, I feel like when I was watching it, I noticed some other strange thing that Jack does where it's like he, Oh God, I'm not gonna be able to think of it. Um, That sucks. Uh, But, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's kind of like they do that in like Shutter Island. That's a good example. Like where you're there, you know, he takes a drink of water and there's nothing, there's no, there's no cup. There's nothing, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, you don't necessarily notice it the first time you see it. Maybe you don't notice it the fifth time you see it, but your brain subconsciously notices it. And it's just that little slip, that little bit that's like off that causes such, Unease, because I will say that, like as much as I've never considered this like really a horror film, um, although I mean I did much more this time around um, watching it, but it's it still has that same feeling that a horror f- film has of just this like I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm I'm feeling like slightly um, like this could. You know, like I said before with the exorcist, like you, you're always like more afraid if you feel like it could happen to you. And mm. I think what happens at the Overlook, you're like, oh, this is like this very specific situation. But his like slip into madness is the part that feels a little maybe relatable, you know, something that could happen to a person that could be. Um, And I think those like little tiny um, subliminal things that they do that kind of messes with your own brain to make you think what? Like oh, a million percent.
1: Yeah. Like another really good example is like in the again in the, the very beginning of the movie with like showing the exterior of the hotel. Mhm. There's no maze. There's none. There's zero maze because Oh, the, wow. the hotel, the actual hotel does not have a maze and they didn't do anything to try to add it and um And then as they're walking around the hotel getting the exterior view of the hotel, you do see it, but that is still something separate. That's different. And then all of the interior shots are on a closed-down lock set, uh, including the maze itself, was built on set for the exterior shots of the false Hotel. So it's just like little things like that where like, yeah, if you watch the movie again, right at the beginning of the movie, you will see no maze up on the mountainside of the hotel. Oh, man. There's also a lot of little things like um, even, again, right in the beginning of the movie when Jack walks into the hotel, if you really pay, like, super close attention, he goes, goes, like, from the front door, I think he turns right, he walks down a bit, and then he turns left into the room where he has, like, the interview with the manager and the other guy. Mm -hmm. That's also the room that has the CV radio. Yep. And if you pay really close attention, there is... Another, like, area, because the main room, like, where Jack writes and he's throwing the tennis ball, is around the corner. But when he walks into the office that, let's just call it the manager's office, there's a window that shows outside. But if you were to actually cut that wall down, on the other side of the wall would be the great room. So there's, like, a ton of, like, false architecture in the hotel to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I love, it. I, I, I love it. I love it so much.
0: You know, I think that we had an argument about this before.
1: Yeah. And it's right? funny because the first time I brought it out to Nat too, she also got a little mad at me. People get mad. <laughs> People get mad. It's funny. People get mad. They're like, no, it's, it's fine. And it's like, yo dog, trust me. I promise. Like if there's anybody that's done research <laughs> on this shit, I promise you it's me. So, But
0: so well, my memory of this is though, like this is when you first moved to Chicago and Ben and I were there helping you move in, and of course we decided to watch The Shining that evening, like mm. on the, the floor of your new <laughs> apartment. I My, think
1: we, God, that apartment was yeah, sad.
0: yeah, yeah, it was really tiny. they just, and we ordered like Chinese food and just like got a bunch of beer and. Like I remember being like, okay, we're watching The Shining again. I'm pretty sure we've already (laughs) watched it together before. Um, and just drinking copious amounts. And um, you and Ben got into this big thing about The Shining, like you, and it and the whole. And I remember like just popping in a few times before I eventually was like, "Fuck you guys, I'm going to bed. I'm just not doing this." But and that was your big thing was that you were talking about everything that was so purposeful like all of these little aspects that came together and that were like an absolute vision to and and this was it and then I think I made the the counter argument that like what if they weren't all purposeful what what if if they they just were what if they just were like what if that was just the grand vision and it just happened to like you as the viewer just happened to create that all in your mind like that you yeah and you were very like nope this chair was here for this goddamn reason do not fuck with me and I was like or maybe the chair was there for that reason, but not the reason you think it was just there because it happened to look good there. But your mind <laughs> thinks that it's actually for this reason that, yeah. Do you remember that? That was,
1: Oh, I, it, it's funny. I've had this exact same thing with like five other people. I'm yeah. sorry. You're not the only
0: one Yeah, No, I, I know. I know. Oh, how sad.
1: Um, yeah, no, it's funny. Like, um, can I vent for a minute? Mm-hmm. So like, um, Okay, take your, take like, I don't know, take like a, take a friend that you've got that's like a chef at a restaurant, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know that they went to school to study like foods and, and... I and, know
0: exactly where this is going. Yeah, like food. Prat- in the
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And like, and like you're at <laughs> okay, a restaurant okay. with like Bob the chef. And, right. and and Bob the chef is like, hey, I've been to this restaurant before. Um and I can tell you like their, their, their duck a la is the fucking, it's the jam. It's the best fucking duck a la range that you'll ever have. You will say like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll consider it. And then maybe like a sign order, ordering, like, you know what? I'm just really in the mood for steak tonight. And like, you know, Bob, the chef is going to be, what are they? Bob, Bill, whatever. The chef is going to be mm-hmm. like, I, you know, that's cool. I respect your decision. But like, if you ever wanted to eat that duck a la and talk about it, I'm here, you know? And I might even like enlighten <laughs> you on a new idea. And people are like, wow, that's so nice of you, Bob. Thanks. And then you go to film school, and then you start talking about, like, film theories with your friends, and they're like, shut the fuck up, I hate you. And I've never (laughs) understood it. Like, talking about, like, film theory, especially with somebody that does not agree with you, is like... It's like pulling teeth. And it's something that like I've never understood because there's always this part of me that's like, yo, I spent the money and went to school. That doesn't make me an expert. I know I'm not, but I do think it's funny. I always and it's to the point where like I can laugh about it now. In my twenties, I couldn't, but I was a shithead in my twenties. So like now I'm thirty-four, almost thirty-five, like I can laugh about it a little bit more. But it is kind of funny. But um but I think that I think that Kubrick was a genius. The man was hyper smart and he was A hyper-amazing person. I mean, these are like... People like Scorsese and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas have all talked about Like he was capable of doing things that they never could because he was such ahead of his time. And Love It or Hate It, 2001, is like a staple in cinema history and it's a beautiful, magnificent film. There's people that don't like it and I can understand their reasons. And I think that if... If some of these things were accidental, he built enough things that were intentional to make people leave his films trying to think about it and figure out what it means. And so no matter what, he was a genius at that. You know what I mean?
0: So I... Okay, so therein lies the argument, though, right? So that's it. So you're talking about his absolute genius. I think this is, again, that the, like you're like, I'm trying to let you know that you can't have this argument with me, but here I am <laughs> doing it anyway. So there in the <laughs> argument. So so right, so he's such a genius and this is what you're saying and I mean I agree The Shining is a phenomenal film. So but that's that's kind of it. So if you have that distinct vision, do you have to absolutely place that chair? You don't because you have this this overall feeling that you are creating, right? Like this this that that you almost that, that you wouldn't even have to for it to create something for viewers. I mean, you, you don't have the feeling at all with all the fan theories of this film that like that there is that some people have taken a bit of a dive. You know what I mean? That they're everything that they can from it. I mean, I am sure that there are so many intentional things that I could not even come up with in my brain because I am not a director, but I mean, Sometimes like when people talk about this film, like the like the intentions of it and just like the, the exact placement of every single thing is kinda like, is that it? Or is it the is it this this grander scale? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I don't. I, no, see- no, no,
1: no. I don't know if it, it, no, and it's it's it is very funny. And it is, I think, one of those things where like I there were moments where I'm sure Stanley was like, The fucking black chair, we gotta move on. You know what I mean? Uh but there yeah. were moments like um like, he's really good with, like, eye direction. Um, a Clockwork Orange is a really good example of that. Um, a lot of times when Alex is carrying his cane, his cane will kind of, like, foreshadow what's going to happen by based off of what it's pointed at. Mm-hmm. But then on your point, see, like, and I'll agree with you, too. We will never know. He's dead, and that's the sad part. If there's anybody that... There's, like, few people in history that I wish I could go back and talk to. Um, like yeah. JFK is one. I don't know if you have anybody that, like you would ever go back in time have the ability to talk to, but he's one for me.
0: I'd have to think about it.
1: If you think of any, let me know. And, I will. um I would love to talk to Stanley Kubrick. And, um, but yeah, no, I agree that, like, it does then go into this, like... It comes into, like, an unhealthy, like anything, obsession for some people. And it's also then, like... It's funny, too, because I feel like some people are, like, pulling out theories that, like, are theories just for the sake of being a new theory that they've got. Like, I, and I'm not making fun of anybody here. I promise I'm not. <laughs> I watched like one recently about to. But I, yeah, I might. <laughs> I watched one recently, and, like, the dude did a lot of research, but um, I'm sorry. I couldn't finish it. It was on YouTube. I couldn't finish it because it was just, like, it was just a little pin in the back of my head the whole time. Where the shining is actually about the Beatles um, oh my God, no. what's the album, Abbey Road, where they're walking barefoot. Yep, yep. And the shining is Stanley Kubrick's attempt to talk about the frustrations that people had with the Beatles breaking up. I mean like
0: Stop. I, dude
1: So you this think is I'm like, smart enough to make too, this up, I'm not.
0: Too many, too many theories. Just that's like this is like taking theories too far. Like, come on.
1: Too many theories, not enough time.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, at the end of the day, so this is always what gets me, it is a film based off of a Stephen King novel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, loosely based, as we talked about. But still, like, that's it. And at the end of the day, it's also still kind of in the horror film realm, in, in roughly in that genre. So, like, no, this wasn't about the Beatles. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? I like, this doesn't no, have that significance. Yeah, like, yeah. that's kind of what gets me. It's like... Uh, I don't think this is that far reaching. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and like some of it goes into like, have you ever watched those and I'll make fun of this till the day I die. Have you ever watched those like stupid as fuck YouTube videos where they're like, they're like. The Shining came out in 1980, 19 divided by 80 is oh, yeah. 2.14 four. Two two 2.14 can then be translated to 2021 and, and today's 1108. So therefore the Shining was predicted that we would talk about it on 1108, have you ever seen those? Like that's where a lot of those <laughs> people No, I don't watch
0: YouTube videos at all. I'm like the only person that doesn't go on YouTube.
1: You shouldn't, because 90% of it's trash, but there's this, like, 10% nugget that is just juicy and awesome. And, and, <laughs> and oh, I love it. And um, But it's stupid as fuck. Most of it's dumb. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, there's a lot of theories. But then I think that in terms of, like, other theories and other, like, feelings, though, that it, um, I like is, like, again, kind of going back to, like, the, the Native Americans. And not even specifically just into the atrocities of that, but, like... Atrocities overall, and how, like, when they say things like the horrors are still alive in the hotel, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, I think what always that kind of like means to me is like, uh, the things that happened, say, even a hundred years ago, we're still feeling the repercussions of it to this day. Um, you can look at pretty much any not white fucking group of people in this country and say, X, Y, and Z has happened to these people and therefore A, B, and C is the result of it today and that is the horrors of our past and so I feel like in some way Danny the child is kind of supposed to be us Mm -hmm. and that he has this shining this gift but really all it is is that he has the ability to see the horrors of the past which is the ability to educate yourself to have an understanding of your past to do research about the things around you and not just see things in terms of the simplicity that perhaps jack does and that with your quote-unquote new shining you will be able to escape with the ones that you love into a future that can then hopefully be better and mm-hmm. I mean, that is something that is very much tying into our, you know, um, of times of now, of equality amongst, you know, different sexualities, men and women, different races. I mean, it's it's there. And I feel like that is ultimately what the film is about, that if you can stop and be smarter than the situation around you and not just, you know, like, you know, it's like <sighs> reason x y and z are bad and therefore that's it it's like well how did they become bad you know what i mean like how did we get here mm-hmm.
0: i think that you know we talked about this a little bit even with the exorcist that some of the the themes of and, and with that it was that the possession movie and it was obviously a very clear like good and evil god and the devil that sort of thing um but and how that can play into Um, times where there's a lot of divide especially like political divide um, and those themes become very very popular and very relevant in films for that reason because it just really reflects that division that you feel and you know you can look at The Shining and feel the same way I mean I mean it's still at the end of the day there is still this possession that takes place right and there's all you know Danny is again this innocent right that's a very easy thing to see that he is uh, they it's very loved to make the children innocent that's like the obvious portrayal of um, someone who is innocent and so you have him um, you know who ultimately does rise above and then you have um, you know Jack who obviously doesn't who just you know um, goes off the rails into madness and then meets his demise. And so, um, yeah, that the, it's still that idea of good and evil. It's still that idea of, like, um the innocent versus the not innocent. Like I said, from the beginning, the very beginning of the movie, he is a jackass. You know what I mean? He's just he's just a dick. and it's it, and he's very unlikable. Like there's hardly any point that he is likable or redeemable. And so, yeah, I do think that that plays to. Um, I I think that it stays relevant because it plays to these different times where there are where there's that kind of division and you're looking for the good versus the evil, you know, the evil, the innocent versus the not innocent. I mean, it's really yet again, where does like poor Wendy, where is she like, where does she stand as the like, you know, the uh, crazy, uh, horrified, you know, submissive mother trying to find her way like that's. Uh, that's probably like the most relevant to our time now. Yeah.
1: Oh, a million percent. You know,
0: that's probably even more so.
1: Yeah. I'm just here to take care of my kids. And
0: uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm like falling apart. And like I said, actually watching it this time, I was so much more impressed by her because, again, her character doesn't make this huge change. She does not make that stereotypical like I started off submissive, but now I'm this major badass that's about to like chop my husband's head off. I mean, she does like you know, get some strength along the way. Like her swinging that bat at him at the one, which I think is like one of the hardest scenes to watch. It's just so horrific, but like, and sad. She's so like weak and tired, like you can tell. Um, But she doesn't become more than she ever was. She stays her kind of passive little quiet self, but still, you know, Finds a way to overcome in in a way. I mean, Danny helps, but
1: you believe his health might be at stake. Yes. You are concerned about him. Uh, Yes. Uh, And are you concerned about me? Of course I am.
0: Of course you are. (laughs) Have you ever thought about my responsibilities?
1: what are you talking about? Have you ever had a single moment's thought about my responsibilities? Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about my responsibilities (laughs) to my employers? Has it ever occurred to you that I have agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? Does it matter to you at all that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me and that I have signed a letter of agreement, a contract in which I have accepted that responsibility? (laughs) You have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is. Do you? Has it ever occurred to you what would happen to my future if I were to fail to live up to my responsibilities? Has it ever occurred to you? Has that? Stay away me. Why? I just want to go back to my room. Why? I'm very confused. I just... Need a chance to think things over. You've had your whole fucking life to think things over. What good's a few minutes more gonna
0: do you now? Stay,
1: Stay away from me. Please! Don't hurt me.
0: I'm not gonna hurt
1: you. Stay away from me! Wendy? Stay away! Darling, light of my life, I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna
0: hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. In. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you! Yeah, and you could even say that like in terms of the themes of like insanity setting in, her insanity set in and hers though, luckily was like protective mother you know what I mean like
0: yeah yeah she she didn't it didn't take her the other way it took her it 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 took her the way to protect her child
1: Mm -hmm. and I think that I'm glad that you brought up because I I actually I Shelley Duvall Wendy is is my favorite character in this whole movie I really do like her I think that um a lot of people know this but like um it's been talked about a ton but like she went through hell on the set of this movie um,
0: ben tells me that every time we watch it, and it actually makes me so sad.
1: Yeah, and it's it is this really weird argument where like because directors have historically done this to their actors for years. It's it's something that's not new. It's been going on for you know a hundred years. And yeah, the question is is it morally right? Like, there's movies. Um, God, I'm I'm, I didn't, I'm I'm blanking at the moment, but there's like movies where like directors have like fired blank like uh blank shells and guns to like startle their actors to get (laughs) should
0: we be talking about that right now (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, not that one but um that was laughing yeah and um yeah and um um,
0: and it's always the
1: question of like you know should directors do that i think a lot of that has calmed down because the height of it was in the 70s where
0: you get away with more shit. There was less unions. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, there was less, fewer laws, fewer people that were standing out for these people, especially, especially women, especially. Yeah, women. for and, sure. But then it's, and again, it's like the only other side of that argument, though, is then you get these amazing performances, which Shelley Duvall does do, and there are interviews with her where she talks about it. Now, whether she's speaking positively because she has to for the film. I don't know, but she does talk about in some interviews that genuinely seems like she did enjoy it, but like people have asked her kind of like to go a little bit deeper and she's like, but given the chance, would I go back and do it again? Absolutely not. And so I do side with her because I have to say that at the end of the day, it's not right because she could have then delivered a performance that wouldn't impede in her own personal life and no performance is worth that. You know, like,
0: Exactly. I mean, because the performance, I mean, you could say it's for her, but is it for her? I mean, you know what I mean? It's... Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to say it because it's like, is it for then the man behind the camera directing It was,
0: Yeah, it was for the vision of it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I agree, too, that it shouldn't be done, but where we are in what has been made, I think her performance is amazing. And yeah, I think it that really her, is. Her character is awesome. And yeah, like that stairway scene, like... you just feel it you just feel this person just crushed under the weight of being isolated in this hotel in the winter with an asshole madman i mean like you can
0: see like physically it feels watching her it's like she can barely swing the bat like Mm -hmm. she is like like losing everything
1: dude jack nicholson's gotta be like I don't know, 80 something years old now. And if he did that to me even now, as like an old man, like okay. sticking his tongue out and like walking <laughs> upstairs, I'd be like, dude, fuck, fuck, I'm hitting you with the bat. I'm fucking yeah. done. I'm not the only I'm going to do
0: anything to kill you. It is like, truthfully, this is what I'm saying. I'm watching it this time. I'm like, dude, this is like unbelievably scary because he's just like, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything to you except bash your fucking head in or whatever. Like, it's like next level scary. Like, You're not too busy, are you? (laughs) No, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, Lloyd, it seems I'm temporarily light. <laughs> How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always like you. You were always the best of them. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon, and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me.
1: But yeah, uh, The Shining. Yeah, I don't know. I always feel like it's a, yeah, it's a metaphor of like the uh, the nuclear family that holds a secret, holds like the secret, the secret atrocities of the nuclear family. That like every family yeah. has one, and if they're left unchecked, these are the results.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is this—the idea of like isolation and that. I think that that's um, again, it's like one of those things that like I don't. I I think that's why I don't think the movie is scary. Is because I don't personally connect to that. Like I'm not like, uh, you know, I don't experience this isolation or this this prideful whatever that Jack has. But I think there are probably a lot of people a lot of families that could relate to that, that could, and and isolation, I think is, plays a bigger role into Jack's mind. He's obviously very disconnected from his wife and son. That's, that's, I mean, you can see within their relationship. I mean, that's not a loving relationship with a wife. That's not a loving relationship with a son. So a lot of that, you know, is this disconnect and his own personal isolation, which then gets kind of, you know, you, outwardly see it in the film when they're out at the, it's acted out at the outlook um, hotel, but it's really something that's already there. Like, you know, he's already so isolated from them. And then this just kind of propels it forward into what it ultimately, like, like we kind of talked about like what it ultimately would have become anyway. Like here's this big tragic um, ending in a film, right? Here's this like crazy, maniacal man who you know with an axe and whatever but you know the the film that you don't see is if that hadn't happened and they just went on and lived life together and then he ultimately hurt and killed them anyway as just an abusive shitty alcoholic like deadbeat dad you know which would have happened that's the that's the alternate ending there you know this is the theatrical one this is like the big um you know, beautiful movie with all the series and the grand director, but that's the other side of it. That was already, I think it's like what you talked about. It's already who he was. Like, it was kind of like, why does this choose you? It's like, well, that's already who you are. Like that's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. There was, there was a road he was already going down and, uh, it's why it's good to like, I don't know. I always feel like it's good. Like it's checking with your people. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, for sure. Should we put something at the beginning of this episode? Like, hotline. Check in with your people, families. (laughs) Do not hurt each other. Maybe. Um,
1: (laughs) Um... Yeah, no. Check in with your people. It's good. Call your call your friends, call your family. Make sure they're doing all right, especially in the middle of a pandemic because we're not we're not out of the woods yet. So. The isolation is here. Yeah, the winter's a, coming up. So. The snow
0: shall fall soon. We don't all have these snow cats, snow yeah. dogs, but I'm to yeah. get away with them.
1: Yeah, and check in with your people. Make sure they're doing good right. because, like, you know, they're like, and I can I can recall examples of like having friends, like when I was a child, like going over to your friend's house and living with them for i don't know 24 36 40 mm-hmm. hours, Mhm. It's sometimes weird. Hell yeah. You know, you're at you're at you're at Johnny's house and it's like, yo, that's that's what your parents do and it's like that it's mm-hmm. like that again that like uncomfortableness of like the horror of again like the quote unquote great you know nuclear american family is it's got some roots that can sometimes be a little scary and it's like that kid that is weird and he's eating the glue stick at his desk in <laughs> sixth grade. He might have some shit going on at home, and so it might yeah. be worth checking in on Johnny's. So, and <laughs> uh, you know, maybe don't eat a glue stick with him, but maybe you know, try to understand why he's eating that glue stick. So, and uh, and yeah, I think for that, I think that the film holds up, and I think that. You know like you said it's not a scary movie like i always laugh at like when shelly's running through the spookies towards the end of the film and she runs in the room and there's just the skeletons of the cobwebs dude i mean like i <laughs> like, fucking, <no. laughs> i crack up yeah. every time I'm like this is so stupid um yeah 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 i don't know and even like like the elevator with the blood the first time you see it is kind of spooky but then after you see it too many times i'm just like dude like
0: well that one is one of those ones again like to bring it back to when we talked about the exorcist you know how they say like you know how like they cut out her going down the stairs backwards or whatever because it was just so in your face I feel that way about the blood the elevator and the blood which I mean it is visually is so cool again the first time you see it um and scary um And then like, yeah, you see it again and you're like, okay, it's so disc, it's just disconnected and not in like this, this, it's just, it's almost trying to create more terror than what the movie actually has in it. You know what I mean? It creates this idea at the very beginning of the film that like, this is going to be a goddamn bloodbath. And it's not, you know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't, um, it doesn't add up. No.
1: And again, I feel like it's just like, again, it's like the hotel is going to bring the elevator up, you know, or down from a different part and it's going to open up and it's going to spill its blood, the history onto you, the viewer. But yeah, after seeing like you see it the first time and it's like, Oh, okay, well that'll be interesting to figure out where that leads. And then you just see it again. And yeah. And so. And it
0: doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like it has it doesn't conclude
1: yeah other than a theme which it does kind of hit you over the head with a couple times and based off of whatever you interpret then that theme is just repeated several times right there's so like that,
0: another another time where it's like danny sees like the the furniture all like floating in the blood in like the lobby right like that happens yeah um, i
1: mean it's just like the result of the blood washing the yeah. furniture away and yeah. um yeah, and I, I, yeah, and it's just it, in terms of like horror and dread, it's not there, but it's still a great film to watch. It's very rewatchable, and I, I usually watch this movie about once a year. And um,
0: yeah, it's a winter movie for us. We watch it every winter.
1: It holds up, and I think that if if no one's never not watched it, I would highly recommend it. And, um,
0: and the question is, when are they going to redo it? Because it's going to happen, and what are we really going to think of that?
1: Well, they technically. Did they I think it was a straight to movie or a straight to TV movie. I never saw it. Um I'm sure but see, I don't think they will, because I know like Stephen King hates this movie because it has nothing to do with this book, but I don't think he can remake it because like it has such a ginormous feel fan following. That, I know, like, but I
0: mean, you think that, I mean, they're going to remake the exorcist. Scott, I feel like they remake everything. I mean, at some point you just oh, have to wonder.
1: Yeah, no, we're getting another ghostbusters
0: in, like, right. very yes.
1: soon here. Yeah, it looks awful. And well, um, times. yeah, Um, I don't know. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they don't. Uh, but I, I, I've been, we'll like, be back when they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've just been, <laughs> I've been beaten down from that. Having to watch like, so many of my favorite franchises just fucking nosedive in the dirt i'm just desensitized by it now
0: wendy <clears throat> let me explain something to you whenever you come in here and interrupt me you're breaking my concentration you're distracting me and it will then take me
1: time to get back to where i was understand yeah And we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, whether the fuck you hear me doing in here, when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in.
0: How do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine.
1: Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? Hmm? I think it's... Two, like, I don't know what the words are. I feel like in terms of the horror genre overall, it is definitely an outlier. Whether that's good or bad, yeah. it's kind of both. It's know? in
0: there, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. I think everybody considers it a it, it a horror film. It's just not one that, I mean, I guess it's like when we said that or when I said, like, you know, you – you don't really get a lot of fear out of something that you can't necessarily connect with. And I'm sure many people could connect with this on some level, but like, you know, I'm not going to the overlook hotel tomorrow. I'm not like worried about though. I have been to a hotel that was very eerily similar when I was like a kid, my parents, like, um, they would always take us places in like the off season. I mean, this is, a, this is what happens when you have four kids, right? Uh-huh. So you go in the off season. And so we went up like, we went up to like super Northern, like Ashland, Wisconsin or something like very Northern Wisconsin in the off season. So it's snow, whatever. And they, they picked this like super crazy old hotel and it's like completely empty. Like we are the only people staying there. Um, and we're this, like, family. And we're the only ones staying there. And it is, like, legit the shining carpet, like, the hallway, everything. So scary. All of us kids were like, okay, so are we going to, like, walk around a corner and see these, like, little twins and the, the little – their bloody dresses, whatever. Very – anyway, I was super horrified the whole time we were there. We would, like, go down to, like, the little – um like ballroom where you are supposed to have like breakfast, and we were the only family sitting amongst like two hundred <laughs> tables, and just being like served our this like fancy breakfast. And I'm like, is this person serving us real? Like this is so scary. And then I I think it was the second night we were there. I'm like laying down in bed, and we have walked to like the local theater and went and we and we saw Dreamcatcher. Okay, this is where that came in. We saw Dreamcatcher. You know, scare the living shit out of me because I was just at an age that it would—I would, would like—couldn't even sit down to go to the bathroom. I thought like a, a alien was gonna jump up at my ass, uh, so horrifying. But I'm trying to go to sleep that night, and I'm just like have my head down, and I just hear this like, rah, rah, rah. and I'm like, no, just no, and just, rah, rah, rah. you know. Of course, <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine, it is my brother, uh, Sam trying to horrify me. But yeah, so I mean, it's a. Uh, I guess in, in that way, as much as I say, like the film, like it doesn't, like, it's not in the horror genre and it doesn't scare you, given the right circumstance, if you are in some creepy hotel by yourself, you will definitely think of The Shining. In the you middle
1: of northern Wisconsin. In the middle of northern
0: Wisconsin here. with your husband, not your husband, your brother in the other room, red, raw, red, raw. Yeah, you will get scared. I mean, you will, especially if you go and see a different Stephen King film that night. That's funny. Um,
1: yeah, if you're ever bored sometime, just Google Morgan Freeman's eyebrows from The Dreamcatcher. Just Google yeah. that, you won't regret you know, it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to. I mean, the, it, that's that is a dumb movie, but you know. I actually, it's still on my winter list too because it's snowy. If it's snowy and it's mildly scary, it goes on my my winter horror list.
1: Oh, I love that movie. Like, I love it's it. Hard. It's fun. It's but it's dumb as hell. But I, I say, so yeah, yeah, I'm a person that, like, I can get a kick out of a film like that and just watch it and just laugh and have fun with the people that I'm watching it with. with. Exactly. Um,
0: That's what you gotta have.
1: The other theory that I just remember too that I brought up at the very beginning was the, the there's a there's a theory that was brought up in the Room 237 documentary which is that, uh, yeah, Stanley Kubrick is like quote unquote killing Stephen King, is because. Oh, yeah,
0: you said that.
1: So, when Scatman Crothers, uh as, as Halloran, is driving up to the hotel through the snow, um, there's a car automobile accident, and one of them is a red convertible that's part of an accident. And the theory goes that basically, um, at the time of this film being made, Stephen King had a convertible that looked very similar. So it's like Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, dude, oh, yeah, they, they, I, like, yeah, there's, like, yeah. I mean, these
0: guys are, like, hardcore looking for stuff here. Yeah, there's,
1: like, theories that it's about Stanley Kubrick was the person who faked the moon landing and that this is his internal, like, regret of doing it. Yeah, man, oh it, my goes, God. You know, it goes on and on. There's, um, there, there, the one thing I will say, though, if you have the opportunity to watch the movie Forwards and backwards at the exact same time. Some interesting things happen. There are people that go way too deep into it. Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait! Did you just say if I have the ability to watch the movie can, forwards and backwards at the same time?
1: Yeah, like you can find like you can find it on YouTube and you can find it online if you if you search for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you overlay the film on top of itself. I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing on the basis planet, and I'm not even going to say it's like something anyone should have to do. But if stuff like that interests you, it is interesting. <laughs> That's um, I know, laugh away, but see for yeah, me, this, is like, this is like a Tuesday for me. Rat, yeah, rat. yeah, yeah, it's like a Tuesday. Well, and that's where that kind of then ties in, is why is Red Rum spelled backwards? And some people are like, because Stanley Kubrick wants you to play the movie backwards, see? <laughs> so, oh my God,
0: no, I can't.
1: All right, everybody, this has been the You Show yeah. Show. I'm going to cut it off here um, before, before I hear a gunshot. And Isabel's just silent on her end. And, <laughs> I can't. And I have to explain this at her wake, you know, what happened. I No, so... um okay. Uh, well, as my friend Janine would say, white man's burden, Lloyd, white man's burden. Um, Isabel, thank you for, thank you for being here. Thanks for coming back to the studio. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody check out Night Faces. If you want some really good music and some really good storytelling in a podcast, I highly recommend it. And, um, thank you again, Isabel, for being here. Of course. It was super fun. Uh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how else to end it. <laughs> hey gang, Kelvin here. Uh, a couple of quick little updates. Um, first of all, we're going to be taking a break from the show for the next two weeks Uh, So the next episode should be coming out Wednesday, December 1st. Uh, I'm excited to continue with the show. I just need just a little bit of a break. Uh, Some work and stuff is getting a little crazy busy at the moment. So I just want to let everybody know, again, uh, expect the next episode to come out December 1st. Uh, Also, again, too, uh, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, uh, you can do so at the You Show Show. Also, just as a reminder, um, we've also created a Discord server, if anybody's into that. Come on and chat and hang out. We've got a couple people in it right now. It seems pretty fun. I will also be running my shitty film club through Discord. Um, Shitty film club is basically where a bunch of friends and myself, we all get together and we vote on which shitty film we want to watch. Uh, We have one planned for the 17th of November. I believe it's going to be the Dungeons and Dragons movie from 2000. But yeah, we all just show up and we chat and we laugh and we have a good time as we watch shitty movies. Um, And again, if you join the Discord server, you can vote on which movie we'll watch next. There's a Google Doc that has a huge long list of movies to pick from. Um, I would love anybody to join And feel free to add and contribute to the Shitty Film Club. It is a really fun time. So, uh, But also, I just want to take another moment to say thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks for being here. uh, It means a lot to me, and I appreciate it, and I know so do my guests. And I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving, and we will see everybody again December 1st. Thanks. Bye.